The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Windsor framework, as this new deal is being described, uh, that is how it's described today by Rishi Sunak and Ursula von der Leyen uh, in their press conference a little bit earlier. And that is where we turn our attention now. 53106, I should say, the text number if you want to get in touch. So to catch people up, there's two main aspects to this deal that people will focus on. There is the green and red lanes, uh, which is the abolition of the sea border for a lot of products. That's how it's being described. That's how it's being sold, uh, certainly. So products that are destined for Northern Ireland from Great Britain that are not going to make their way or certainly not planned to make their way into the 26 counties and the rest of the EU will not be checked. Uh, They will go into the green lane and there'll be a kind of a trusted trader system and access to each other's uh, customs databases. Products that are likely to enter into the 26 counties and onward into the rest of the European Union, uh, there will be some checks uh, on those products. Uh, But that is how that issue is to be dealt with, it is hoped. The other focus of attention uh, today is on the so-called Stormont break. So effectively how the Stormont break is going to work, and we were told this a little bit earlier by Sean Defoe, but I think it is worth reiterating it or just going back over for people. It is based on the petition of concern. That's what Ursula von der Leyen said, which would effectively mean a veto, a unionist or nationalist veto on on new EU laws were power sharing to be restored. Now, we're going to talk about the possible restoration of power sharing in a moment. But uh, when you read the detail of it, um, once the UK notifies the EU, the break has been triggered. That rule then in question, so a, a new standard, a new regulation at single market level, that would be suspended automatically from coming into effect in the six counties. It can only come into effect if the EU and the UK both agree to that, it would effectively give the UK an unequivocal veto uh, going forward. Uh, that new safeguard is not subject to ECJ oversight and any dispute would be resolved through subsequent independent arbitration according to international, not EU law. I know that all sounds very opaque and boring maybe to some people, but it matters because this is the detail that is going to be poured over by the DUP and others as well uh, today uh, to ascertain whether it is agreeable and whether we have a deal. Neil Richmond is with me, the Fine Gael TD and the Minister of State. Uh, Minister, you're welcome uh, to the show. Um, I mean, what is your understanding of of that break and how it might work and whether everybody will be happy with it. Yeah, this is something that's been discussed for quite a, quite a while and there's a valid concerns from all people in Northern Ireland, unionists, nationalists and other, that there needs to be some sort of inset from or from the elected members in Northern Ireland to in relation to rules that actually impact them. So this is something that was trashed out by the British and European negotiators to follow the model of the petition concern. It needs 30 MLAs no individual party has 30 MLAs at the moment um, and then that goes into an arbitrary mechanism. I think it's a fair compromise. I think it's one that will continue to allow um, Northern Ireland to have the full access to both the European and British markets and this deal um, potentially Kern, could open up massive gains from Northern Ireland economically which in turn to lead to social gains. Uh, is there the possibility though were the storm and break to be applied a number of times that you'd have a significant divergence in regulations or standards between the six counties and the 26 counties? No, because I think the way it's worked and the way the overall agreement works, this would apply to maybe 3% of goods coming into Northern Ireland. And it means that it doesn't necessarily mean that a different system 
would go in for infinitum, it means that there's an arbitrary mechanism, there's a discussion if the EU were to choose change to choose to change standards and other methods. It's it's not something that is of a major concern. It's something that actually could be hugely beneficial and I'd hope it'll be embraced not just by unionist politicians but by all politicians in the North. Well, stay with us if you can, Minister. Ben Lowry is on the line as well, the editor of the Belfast Newsletter. And Ben, thanks a million for taking the time uh, as well. Uh, understandably, as soon as there was a hint of white smoke, uh, attention shifted to the North and to the DUP in particular. Uh, have you any insight into what concerns they will have as they're poring over this text and what they will want to see in it and whether they might be satisfied? Well, when you talk about the DUP, um, you're obviously talking with any group, political party about a group of individuals. And I do think that laterally there were different signals coming from the DUP. So when you had uh, MPs like Sammy Wilson, um, DUP peer and former deputy leader of the party, Lord Dodds, and they were really sticking to this line that European uh, Union regulations needed to be scrapped uh, and therefore you wouldn't even get to the European Court of Justice. So that was the scrapping of the protocol line, which Jim Allister and many unionists support. Now, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson um, has emphasized that less and less, and it wasn't in his seven tests in any event. Um, it, it's sort of, that's the thing that has, that is a, a, a demand that has grown with time. Um, and I think that uh, last night, for example, um, I was talking to Sir Jeffrey Donaldson just you know, fairly briefly to get a comment for the front page of our paper about where things were. And he emphasized his seven tests and then sort of mentioned, and of course, that's in conjunction with EU regulations. What does that mean? What am I trying to say? Well, he certainly seemed like somebody who was uh, you know, trying to maneuver towards possibly accepting something. And there are very significant changes in this. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I'm still wading through it. There's an awful lot of pages mm. to, to, to absorb um, and um, a, a streamlining of movements. There's no real change and there never was going to be on the constitutional issue. Of course, the problem for unionists who want to flag up the constitutional issue is it gets quite hard to understand. If people are going to supermarkets and getting everything as normal and um, things are operating and, you know, and they're getting parcels and they're able to move their pets around, they don't really notice this. So I think there's a difficulty now, increasing difficulty perhaps, Mm. For unionists who are emphasising the constitutional questions, to to um to in in opposition to this, what do you say, Ben, to, to those who suggest that part of the opposition, more laterally from the DUP, uh, or or presumed opposition, maybe is a fairer way of describing it, um, assumed opposition is is that there's a political cost to accepting this, and that is. You know the the that power sharing gets up and running again, and you've got a Sinn Fein first minister. Yeah, I mean this is often said about the Sinn Fein first minister. I think that there is, um, you know, across unionism, um, very considerable unhappiness at the prospect of a Sinn Fein first minister. There's no doubt about that, and I think it's important not to conflate that with unionist opposition to a nationalist first minister. Obviously, it would be somewhat. Uh, um, take a fair amount of adjusting for unionists after a century of Northern Ireland, in which there wasn't a nationalist leader at the helm to, to come to terms with a nationalist leader. Uh, but had it been a figure like um, uh, the late Seamus Mallon, somebody who was scathing about the IRA, there would be respect for such a figure. Obviously, Sinn Féin was, um, has strongly defended the IRA and has 
increasingly triumphalist uh, way defended the IRA campaign, which is a source of great trauma, that, that campaign to unionists in Northern Ireland. And we had indeed, and, and I think it's important to recognize Sinn Féin were absolutely unequivocal uh, in their denunciation, really scathing and, 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 and in their disgust for the attack on the the police officer, but at the same time yesterday, for example, I think it was fairly low-level members of Sinn Féin commemorating um, IRA terrorists. And, and I think for to, for unionists to have a Sinn Féin politician as first minister in Northern Ireland is really difficult to come to terms with. I think many people, prominent politicians and people across the Republic of Ireland, where Sinn Féin got a very small vote in the 1980s and 1990s before the Belfast Agreement, have difficulty with the prospect of a Sinn Féin Taoiseach. So I think it's important not to confuse that. And it's important, and, and then, with regard to your point about playing politics with this, yeah. um, actually, I do think something else has happened. Unionist opinion has turned it. First of all, the protocol, there was very little opposition to it initially, because as I said, it is complicated. Very few people deal in trade on a daily basis. Very few people are experts on constitutional law. I think gradually with time, um, there's been real concern about what this means to be um, outside of the UK internal market, uh, to be fundamentally on the EU side of the divide vis-a-vis uh, -vis trade. So I think there's clearly a significant move to mitigating the impact of that. And I think there's many of us who, who are delighted at that, by the way. Um, I edited a unionist newspaper that was very pro the Belfast Agreement, but we are still really concerned about where do we go uh, if we are on the EU side of the divide and not the UK side. I think it's quite significant, this business about at least trying to put some break on yeah. new regulations, because a big fear is that if the UK, uh, which there is a theory that for Brexit to work, the UK has to diverge more and more from the EU, that we're stuck on one side of that, and that it becomes an ever-widening gulf in the Irish Sea. So there's a lot to digest here, but I think the fundamental point I'm trying to make for you in answer to your question is... This is not just red-faced, hot-headed, unreasonable, <laughs> extreme unionists yeah. who, who have been worried about this. There's a whole bunch of people who supported the Belfast Agreement and, and who didn't want Brexit, indeed, uh, who are concerned about what's been happening uh, too. And, and Neil Richmond is still with us. Neil, when you listen to, to Ben describing the manoeuvrings of Geoffrey Donaldson and others, I mean, what is your sense, and, and what I'm asking as well is, what is the sense around the corridors of Leinster House as to whether this deal is going to get over the line? Well, certainly there's a, there's a hope that it'll get over the line. We think a lot of the issues that were raised repeated, not just by the DUP, but by unions of all political persuasion, indeed from the business community and from the farming community, a lot of those issues have been addressed. A lot of the detail has been really drilled into. Kieran, what made this deal so much possible, more possible is in the last number of weeks, um, was the EU and the British government agreeing to sharing of data and real-time information. That reduces the need for checks on so many goods in addition to changes of EU law in relation to medicines and other supply. So certainly I, I have a massive hope that this will be able to get through. I think the ERG in Westminster, which we haven't mentioned yet, is a much smaller rump than the rump that bedeviled Theresa May and indeed possibly Boris Johnson. And when we see Steve Baker being enthusiastic about it, that's a really positive sign. But Sir Geoffrey has said that he wants to reflect on this, um, that he'll go down into the detail. And as Ben rightly says, there's, there's a lot of detail uh, to go into. But 
I think there is a there's an opportunity here for the DUP to accept something that ultimately will be good for Northern Ireland, that will benefit the economy of Northern Ireland in the face of a Brexit that is hammering the wider UK economy. Neil Richmond, Minister of State and Fine Gael TD and Ben Lowry, editor of the Belfast Newsletter. Gentlemen, thanks a million for joining us here in the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.